This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you with us from Tribe Spring Training as we get deeper into our second week of games now. As uh, a lot of the, the starting pitchers, a lot of the regulars getting their work in, getting their legs under them, and uh, really preparing for that 162-game season that the Indians have such high hopes and expectations for. Coming up on this week's show, two-time Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber talks about what he sees from his team heading into a new season. Yeah, I think that it's easy to, to forget maybe about what's still in our clubhouse, and I think that that's you know, the majority of a team that you know, has been really good over the last few years. Also on the show today, Bradley Zimmer, young Indian center fielder, had an outstanding first season in the major leagues a year ago, and he says he's looking to build on that in 2018. I think the biggest thing for me this year is going to be consistency at the plate. So um, put in a lot of work this offseason, um, and then I've been working again with Bambo here, so just continuing to have that consistency throughout the season I think is going to be huge for me. Also joining us, Indians first baseman Yonder Alonso and team historian Jeremy Fedor. That's all coming your way shortly as we begin with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. I'll tell you what, folks. Strap yourselves in. We're going to be here a while. Now the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Kluber got him to chase the heartbreaking ball down and in. He has struck out ten again. Corey Kluber has struck out 10 or more batters in 11 of his 13 starts since coming off the DL. He is in a league of his own. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you with us this weekend as spring training continues for the Tribe. And our first guest on this week's show, Corey Kluber, the two-time Cy Young Award winner, after winning the Cy Young a season ago with just a tremendous year, 18-4, and four, an earned run average of 2.25. That was over 29 starts. Remarkable, really, 
to consider that he missed the month of May with back issues, spent the month on the disabled list, and still compiled more than 200 innings, more than 260 strikeouts, and had a season capable of winning the Cy Young, and he did in a rather lopsided vote with Chris Sale, the Red Sox fine left-hander, coming in second place in the voting. So a tremendous year for Kluber, and earlier this spring, our regular contributor to the program, Indians PR maven Bart Swain, sat down with the Cy Young Award winner, and they talked about the team, some of the changes in the offseason, but as Kluber says, what the Indians have returning this year has the makings of an outstanding ball club. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely you know, lost some good players. Um, that's why other teams wanted to go out and get them. But, uh, yeah, I think that it's easy to, to forget maybe about what's still in our clubhouse, and I think that that's you know, the majority of a team that you know, has been really good over the last few years. Just you know, touch on the streak and what a special year it was last year. Yeah, um, you know that that kind of winning streak obviously doesn't come around very often. Um, to have two really long winning streaks the last two years, I think that uh, maybe while it was going on, we weren't really wrapped up in it last year. But I think after the fact, when you look back at it, um, you know, to go over three weeks without without losing a game is is pretty crazy. Um, that said, how long did it take you to get over what happened in that first week of October? I mean, I, I don't know if I think every time you reach the postseason, you don't win. I don't know if you really ever get over it. I think you find a way to use it as motivation and, and you know different ways to, to drive yourself during the off season. Um, you know, striving to to not have that happen again. Um, you had the foot on the gas for you know you had the DL back thing in in, in May. And you had the foot on the gas for four months. Just talk about the role you got on and, and how special it was. Um, yeah, I just <clears throat> I kind of once I got healthy, I got into a spot where I felt like I was able to go out there and repeat my mechanics pretty consistently. And I think that that's every pitcher's goal is to be able to do that. And that way, when you're out there in the game, you're just kind of thinking your way through the game, not worrying about all the other stuff. You know, you kind of have the confidence that you can put the ball where you want it to. And then it just kind of comes down to game plan and executing. Um, Obviously, pitching mentally is a lot easier when that's the case. Uh, it's not always the case, but you know those are the times you got to grind it out a little bit more. Um, you know, you had the back thing last year. Is in, you know you're another year older, another 200 innings. Do you do you prepare differently when when you had this kind of? I think you make little tweaks here and there, but at the same time, if if you've been able to throw 200 innings or make however many starts, you know, for for a few years consecutively, I think that there's probably not a reason to rewrite the book, you know, something that you're doing is working well. So I think you make tweaks here and there to kind of adjust the things that might pop up, but I think that the, the blueprint stays pretty much the same. Um, talk about, you know, the losses we have in the bullpen, but the guys that we can have to step in. Yeah, uh, the the guys that we lost are, were big parts of it, but I think at the same time, you know, the the reason we have one of the best bullpens in baseball isn't just because of those two guys. You know, there's... There's obviously lots of other guys in the bullpen that are more than capable of filling their void, and I think that we all have a lot of confidence that they will. And just talking about the rotation, you know, you're at the top of it, and then uh, you know the other guys that uh, fill in behind you and probably make up one of the strongest staffs in the league. I, I think we feel good about it. I think that um, just as a as a unit, you know, we we work well together. We 
pull for each other. We're we're all striving for the same thing, and that's for each guy to go out and, and pitch really well when it's his turn and give the team a chance to win. And you know, I think that there's not really any egos when it comes to whichever five of us it is. Um, you know, like I said, we're all out there, you know, watching each other's bullpens, pulling for each other, trying to trying to find ways to help the team win. Um, have you sat down with Carl, and what are your impressions of him so far? Yeah, we've talked a, we've talked a bit. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more as, as spring goes on. But, you know, I think we're all really excited about it. I think that um, Carl, he's been here before. You know, he's he's comfortable with, with things here. And a few, of the, a few of us he's even worked with before. So I think that, you know, although it's a new pitching coach, maybe there's not quite as much of a learning curve as some other instances. Do you look to set, you know, as a, kind of a leader, you're the leader of the staff. Do you look to set an example with the younger guys, you know, here in camp especially? I don't really seek it out. I mean, I think that I just more of the let your actions speak louder than your words type person. You know, I just try to go about my business, and you know, if if that ends up being a good example for people, then so be it. But that's not my my focus is to try to grab somebody and make them follow me around or anything like that. How excited are you to get going here with the team we got coming back? Yeah, I think every year is exciting once you get to spring training and things actually begin. Um, it's exciting. It's a new year. You know, everybody's kind of in the same boat, uh, you know, everybody at this point in time, you know, is trying to win a World Series, and I think that that's, that's what the exciting part is, is that nobody's out of it at this point in time. That is Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber, who not only seems primed for another big season on the mound, he'll be a, a big key, obviously, to the Indians' fortunes, but really excited about What's to come for this team this season? Another year where the Indians have high expectations, and deservedly so, and the veterans in that clubhouse certainly embrace that and are looking forward to the challenge. Now, on the younger side of things, in the outfield for the Indians, Bradley Zimmer burst on the scene a season ago as a major league rookie, hit two forty one with eight home runs, 39 runs driven in, 18 for 19 stealing bases, played outstanding defense in center field, and really gave the Indians some stability in the middle of their outfield. And I look for him to try and do the same again in what will be his first full season in the major leagues. And the Indians really missed him down the stretch as he sustained a hand injury, a broken hand that laid him up for much of the last month and the playoff series against the New York Yankees. And when we sat down with Zim earlier this spring, we got an update on his health and what he looks forward to this season. Yeah, everything, everything's been great. I'm feeling really healthy, strong, um, just ready to get back into baseball mode. Um, I, was, I mean, I was pretty much fully healed by the time, you know, World Series came around. Um, so it was just a matter of getting that strength back. So a couple of weeks after that, went home and, Started working out again, then everything was good to go. And unfortunately, there several players <laughs> were in your position toward the tail end of the season. And uh, frustration-wise, missing out on, on such a key part of the year when you were such a key part of the team, how did you deal with that, and how frustrating was it? Yeah, it's tough. You know, injuries injuries happen. It's part of the game. And, um, you know, obviously you don't, you don't wish it upon anybody. But unfortunately, last year, for not only myself but the whole team, you know, there was quite a bit of injuries, um, especially you know to our outfield. So, um, you know, continue to stay on a routine and and do what we can to you know put ourselves in a position to be, you know, ready 
physically to play every day so that, you know, we can avoid injuries and, you know, any little minor things along the way, I think. You certainly made a great impression as, as a rookie in the major leagues. Uh, was there anything that surprised you along the way that, that maybe was more difficult about playing at this level or maybe easier that, about playing this level than, than you had expected? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, the highest level. The game uh, is quicker. I mean, everything's a little bit faster. You have to be that much sharper. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a challenge. So um, I had a blast last year and, <clears throat> you know, had had a lot of good things going on. And <clears throat> as a team, had a great year. Um, you know, can't pull a little short at the end. But I think, uh, you know, we're all going to be that much more fired up to you know, get after it this year and, and uh, you know, put ourselves back in the position we were in at the end of the season last year. It's funny how the, the game works. This time a year ago, uh, you were in camp hoping to, to make an impression, and you end up going back and starting the year in the minor leagues. It, did you have any preconceived notions about when you might get that opportunity or how it would work out in the end? No, I mean, it was just, I was just going to keep doing doing what I do, you know, every day. And, um, you know, I knew that the time would come. And it was just only a matter of time. And, and um, you know, I'm thankful that it happened when it did. And, you know, I got my my first year under my belt and, you know, got got to be a part of, you know, such a fun season last year and, and you know, the winning and, and everything. So, <clears throat> you know, really excited for, for this year to build off that and, you know, continuing to have a great season. When you talk about building off of it, obviously there, there are strengths and weaknesses. What are you working on in the off season and, and heading into spring training, thinking about that that you'd like to improve upon based on last year? Um, yeah, I mean my main thing was just my health. You know, at first just getting back to where you know I can do everything I do, you know, without even thinking about my hand or anything like that. So, um, so once I was good with that, I mean it was just going about my usual business, you know, defense, base running, hitting. But I think the biggest thing for me this year is going to be consistency at the plate. So um, putting a lot of work this offseason. Um, and then I've been working again with Bambo here. So just continuing to have that consistency throughout the season, I think, is going to be huge for me. And you mentioned at the plate and, and prior to last season and, and the year prior when you were in the minor leagues, I know you had made some adjustments. And is it a continuation of that or are there some different things that you're working on? Yeah, I think it's it's a continuation. Um, you know, regardless, you know, if I hit 400 last year, I'd still be you know working and trying to get to get better, and you know make my swing, my approach, you know, that much more cleaner, um, just so I can get that that consistency throughout the season. So, <clears throat> I think that's going to be the biggest thing for me is just um, you know having that discipline and and trusting myself at the plate a little more. At the risk of making fans in Cleveland jealous, what is an off-season in, in the San Diego area like? Uh, winter months uh, in that part of the country, especially as a baseball yeah. player when you're trying to work out and get good things done. It's, um, you know, it, it feels a bit like a vacation. You know, I lived like a block or two from the beach. Um, so that part is nice. You know, it's it's beautiful. It's, they, you know, call it America's finest city for nothing. Um so I mean I had a great time. I got you know I got my beach days and then I had my I'd go to the I'd get my workout in the in the morning hit and everything and then I'd have you know an hour before the sun went down to go to the beach. So um, it was fun. It was fun. Team wise, um, you look at this ball club and and there's a lot here that was very good a season ago. Obviously with more than than a hundred wins. 
What impresses you the most about this team heading into this season with, again, high expectations as there should be? I think just not being satisfied. You know, you look around the locker room and you see guys that have, you know, been here for five, ten years and that have, you know, had been successful, been all-stars, and they still are in there working, you know, just as hard as the next guy and, you know, trying to perfect their craft that much more. <clears throat> because we want to win. I mean, you look around other locker rooms, and you know maybe they're not as closely knit as ours, and maybe there's some that are a little more talented. But I mean, you just like everyone is on the same page here, and I think that's what makes us so successful. And um, I think you know you, this year you're going to see a lot more of, of that. I think any young player uh, making their way in the major leagues for the first time, you, you look for some guidance and. Is there a veteran or maybe more than one that, that really helped you along last year and that you still lean on heading into this season? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone um, was very helpful last year and just kind of, you know, gave me some guidance. But, you know, more of all, like most of all, just me kind of sitting back and watching and, and learning. But I think probably Brantley was probably the biggest for me. <clears throat> just, you know, he's an outfielder. He's been there kind of in the same position as me, so... Um, you know, I've been picking his brain, and um, you know, he's given me some guidance here and there. So it's been it's been fun, you know, getting to play alongside of him, and hopefully, you know, we can get him healthy again this year and and uh, run it back. And it, I think on the outside, he's generally regarded as a quiet type leader. But what are some of the things that they really helped you with that that kind of helped you push through some of the, the difficult times that any major league would yeah, face? I think just just. Um, Initially, when I got to the big leagues, just kind of, you know, taking a step back and be like, hey, you know, this is this is where you belong, and just you know, continue to do what you do. And um, you know, I've been working with him in the cage a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing too. But he, he is he's kind of just like a lead by example type guy. So um, it's been fun, you know, getting to watch and just play alongside him. That's Tribe center fielder Bradley Zimmer. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as Tribe Talk continues from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona, after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. And the newcomer, Yonder Alonso, left-handed hitting first baseman, will make his first appearance in an Indians uniform. The right-hander, Sal Romano, kicks and delivers, and Alonso with a drive to deep right! Down the line and way, way out of here. That cleared the party plaza above the wall in right. And it is on its way to Tucson. one nothing Indians. Yonder Alonzo, welcome to Cleveland. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you with us for Baseball Talk on the radio. If you're hearing this program live on the radio network or online, Tribe Baseball coming your way shortly. A 3.05 first pitch from Goodyear Ballpark, the Indians, and the San Francisco Giants coming up. Playing first base for the Tribe much of the time this season, at least that's the plan right now is Yonder Alonso, an American League All-Star, a season ago with the Oakland Athletics and then the last portion of the season with Seattle. He was signed in late December to a two-year contract. He'll take the spot vacated by Carlos Santana, who was signed by the Phillies as a free agent. And for Alonso, it's a new team. He's played in the major leagues with the Reds, the team that drafted him, 
the Padres, Oakland, and Seattle. So he's been with a couple of different ball clubs. And in terms of the early stages of spring training, Alonso says the adjustment has been smooth to his new team. They're great. I mean, uh, you know, obviously being on a new team, is, it can be a little bit challenging. Uh, every day is a new day. But, um, you know, I've been around. I've been around a, a few spring training uh, schedules and things like that. But um, getting acclimated just fine. Uh, the guys are, are definitely welcoming me with open arms. So just excited and, you know, ready to get going. And you mentioned you've been with a couple of different teams. Does it make it any easier because you've had experience before? I think so, and, and I think it makes it a lot easier, too, when the guys, uh, they've all been together for such a long time. So, um, you know, I've been in some teams where kind of they were restructuring their team, so everybody was kind of new. Um, but it's nice to just have that feel where you just step in and everybody knows where they're going, everybody knows each other. So, you know, I'm just kind of a new, new guy, just getting work done and making sure uh, I continue to progress as a player and as a person. Along those lines, uh, real great progress year a year ago. What, what are you trying to build off from last year that went really well that you think you can take even? I'm trying further? to build off of everything, every part of my game, uh, my defense, my base running, and obviously my hitting. And I think uh, I learned a whole lot last year, and, and you know now I can just take it in with my work in the off season and, and continue to build off uh, you know a good year. Yonder Alonso joining us. Uh, you mentioned work, and I'm guessing your work ethic goes directly back to your family. Uh, there was an article in the Players' Tribune about uh, your escape from Cuba with your family and, and what they went through when they first came to this country. Uh, explain what drives you every day and what's driven you to become a Major League Baseball player based on those early times in the States. Well, I think my family, I think my parents were a big indicator of how I was going to be raised and how I was going to be when I, when I got older, obviously. But um, since day one, my parents obviously... Uh, they, they mentioned everyday education um, and hard work. And, uh, you know, without those two things, you can't really achieve anything you want in this country. So I, I think for me, uh, my dad was always uh, big on just hard work, um, just watching him. He was uh, not much of a talker uh, when it came to, to the work ethic, but he, he led by example. He was uh, always working many, many days and nights. And, you know, my mom was right there as well. Um, and for me, it, was, it came second nature just to continue to do those things and, and work just like my dad and mom. And you're playing at the University of Miami, your, your hometown or adopted hometown right. college mm -hmm. or university. And, and But it didn't sound like you were the typical Division One player in terms of the things that you did away from the field because your family yeah. was there. Explain what you did aside yeah, from baseball. Yeah, I mean, it was home, um, so that was nice. Uh, you know, it was very uh, nice. You know, a lot of kids don't get to go to their, their dream college uh, to obviously play baseball at a Division One school, so I was able to obtain that and, and go there, but then obviously there was a lot of work to be done when you got home. You know, when I got home, it was uh, I was just another person, another, uh, her, you know, my parents' uh, son just working and making sure that, I could provide a little bit of what I could uh, to, to the family. So I did that. I mean, I would go to school like any regular student and practice and study hall and then get to work. So um, I didn't really think about it as, as a lot. It was just part of uh, my life at the moment. And I just uh, hard to, had to get to it, you know, just work and, and do the things that I had to do for my family. Because of that background, uh, the day you get the call to the major leagues, uh, what did that mean to you? What was it like? Oh man, it was. Uh, I was in Toledo. Um, I was playing in AAA, um, and they took me out in the fourth inning. And I was, I was a little bit bothered. I was, what's going on here? And they brought me in and they told me I was going to the big leagues. And uh, the game hadn't even finished yet. 
and I went straight to my locker and, and was able to call my parents, uh, my mom and dad. They were following the game on, on the computer, and they, they saw that I was taken out, so they were, you know, they were kind of nervous, like, it's everything okay? Are you hurt? What happened? And then I, you know, I got to tell them that I was going to, to the big lease, and, you know, my parents just started crying, and, and they were very, very happy and uh, emotional, and um, Cincinnati did a great job by flying them over uh, to Cincinnati, and they were able to see my first game. So you fast forward to, to this offseason, mm-hmm. and, and you sign as a free agent. And I, I know for yeah. a lot of players, it's um, it's been kind of an odd offseason along those lines. But uh, you do some research, and, and I know you knew a lot about the Indians prior to signing, and it was a big factor, some of the things that you knew. Uh, what drove you to, to become a Cleveland Indian and then make this the place where you wanted to play? Winning environment, uh, no question about it. I think uh, the winning environment these guys have built – throughout the years has been a special one and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, I had some other offers but for me it came down to, to the winning aspect and, and the, the closest the close friendships that these guys have here and uh, you know it's like they're all on a mission, they all know what they're doing, they all get to work and uh, you know the staff is incredible and you know I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, launch angle has come up when, <laughs> when talking about uh, what you did home run wise last year and, and you're not alone, a lot of, a lot of players had, had talked about that how did you reconfigure your swing or your approach, maybe a combination of both, to, to become more of a power threat? Well, I really didn't look so much at the launch angle. For me, it was all about being in a, in a good position to hit the baseball. Um, so it all started with my legs, and, and then it cre- you know it went on upwards uh, with my body. So uh, obviously uh, my legs and mindset were a big part of uh, the offseason that I had last year. So uh, just continue to do those things, making sure my legs are, are healthy and I can continue to, you know, use my legs the, the way that I want to do, use my legs, and, and then the swing just takes over. That's Indians first baseman, Yonder Alonzo. A great story, inspiring story at times, and someone, uh, certainly Indians fans, looking forward to seeing at first base much of the year. Stay tuned. We'll have our final segment of Tribe Talk after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk continuing from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend, and great to have you with us as we talk baseball on the radio. And we take a break from players and coaches here in Arizona to take a look behind the scenes back home as everyone's getting ready for a brand-new season and a season of high hopes in 2018. And uh, none more so than Jeremy Fedor, the Indians team historian, also helps out in the communications department. Jeremy has uh, been a valuable asset in terms of procuring some great baseball artifacts and history and uh, tradition, such a, a big part of the game of baseball. And Jeremy, right in the center of that for the Indians. And when we caught up with him back in Cleveland, he, he talked about some of the things that keep him busy during those uh, winter and early spring months before the team gets back home to start the regular season. Yeah, uh, you know, some of the things we look for will go through um, the, the upcoming season and see what guys are close to what milestones, uh, maybe what milestones the, the team is close to. I know a few years ago we celebrated our 9,000th franchise win, so just keeping an eye on, on stuff like that so we can commemorate uh, events. So we had the last out ball from that, or maybe we're close to you know some round number home run. or We, we like to look for round numbers. I think it's just a natural thing um, when you're looking for records and Things like baseballs are easy to store, so they're great mementos of, 
of events, um, especially the opening day. You always like to grab something from opening day just because that, too, is like a holiday. It's a start. You never know where the season's going to take you. So it's always nice to have something from that initial um, go of it. And, you know, if rookies come up, always nice to snag a little something so that way if they turn out to be Francisco Lindor and are, you know, all-stars, it's, it's good to have something from where they started. So those are a few of the things that we look for when the season gets going. And you mentioned that, and, and before you were here, it was kind of haphazard as to whether the Indians would be able to recover some of those things. How about player cooperation when, when something big happens for an individual player, and maybe you want a jersey or a bat or, or something, a cap? Uh, can it be a struggle at times, or are most guys pretty good about, hey, here it is, have at it, and, and go with it where you want? We're lucky to have um, uh, Barton Court. On our side, our, there are our baseball uh, information um, crew, and they have a great relationship with the players. So when something happens um, you know, during the win streak, that was a little bit easier because it was a uh, – well, I say a little easier. Um, I wasn't the one making the asks, but uh, it was a team um, uh, um, a team uh, record. That's what we're looking for. So we're trying to get the last out balls, and we really didn't have um, you know too many issues with that. Uh, again, because it's a team um, record, you know, versus, well, actually two years ago when we clinched the Central and won the uh, ALDS, we got the last out balls. Now, we didn't get the last out ball from the ALCS. Uh, Carlos Santana actually ended up keeping that. So we got items from the game, lineup card. Uh, so you, you try to make, uh, make it work. Uh, when Corey had his 18 strikeout game, uh, Robo threw the 18th strikeout into the crowd. So one of those things that just happens, kind of like a cab when he had the triple play, he threw that into the crowd too. Um, so we were you know, working with Corey. He ended up giving us his 14th strikeout ball. Obviously, he wanted to save the jersey. Uh, when, um, when Rajay hit for the cycle, he actually let us have his jersey, so that was cool. And then just big events. What well, was nice when Jay Bruce had the walk-off hit or Naquin had the inside-the-park home run, they kind of ripped their jerseys, so they weren't really usable, and we were able to acquire those somewhat easily. Um, but mostly you respect what the player wants, um, and then we kind of you know see what they're willing. And, and most guys usually are willing to uh, help you out with you know something because, again, we make the point that it's for our history, it's for the future. And uh, I know when uh, Carrasco almost had that no-hitter in Toronto, or Toronto, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, pacing around the house because it was an away game, wondering what, uh, you know, Cookie would want to save and maybe what he would want to give to the team. So we're still waiting for that no-hitter to uh, have something great from that. But so far, so good with with them. We have a great group of guys that I think are uh, aware of of history and, and especially history of the game. And I know sometimes you get some help from the opposition. You mentioned the win streak and game number 22 was a walk-off hit from Jay Bruce down the right field line. And didn't you get some help from from the Royals right fielder that night? Yeah, so Melky Cabrera was out in right field and when um, it was hit, you know, most guys will get the ball and just kind of flip it into the crowd, but he had the wherewithal to pick it up and uh, Court actually went out to uh, try to go chase it down and same with the ball boy. And uh, luckily enough, uh, Melky knew the significance and handed it off to be authenticated. And uh, so, you know, when it was hit, it was kind of like, well, we did pretty good. We got most of the, wa- the walk-offs. Or actually, they weren't walk-offs. They were, you know, strikeouts or fly-outs. Um, but to have him actually do that, you know, it's a special place in, uh, in my heart for the opposing players that, that do things like that. So it was just really nice and uh, really cool that, you know, he understood the significance of that. 
So if he comes back in a visiting uniform, go easy on Melky Cabrera this season, folks. We're joined by Jeremy Fedor, the, the team historian for the tribe. You start your career here at a special time in terms of preserving the legacy of Bob Feller here at the ballpark. What a great assignment you have with Bob DiBiasio to go out to Iowa to the museum. Explain what that was all about and what a thrill that was for you in one of your your first projects on the job, and, and I can't imagine it will be equaled in terms of, of importance and maybe volume, too. Yeah, so the Feller Museum out in Van Meter, uh, you know, Bob was the driving force behind that. If you knew Bob, you knew he liked to sign autographs, and that was kind of how he kept the museum alive, was bringing in Hall of Famers, and they would have these autograph sessions and raise money for the museum, but once Bob passed, it just... They couldn't continue, and Van Meter is a one-stop light town. And again, the people that have watched Bob pitch are, are getting older and aren't getting out there. So we wanted to make the best of a bad situation in terms of the museum closing. And what that was was turning the museum into their city hall, keeping artifacts there that made sense. So we kept this Van Meter letter jacket or letter sweater in Van Meter so people could still see it. But we took other things that... Um, you know, made more sense in Cleveland. And what was neat was we got to go with um, Bob's son, Steve Feller. He was also with us, and, um, you know, Steve was a wealth of information and knew about a lot of the stuff. He'd pull out something and be like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, Dad had this or that. And at one point we were driving, he's like, I remember being in the back seat of the car when my dad was driving Ted Williams, and they were just talking about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, the history that was probably talked about then. But, you know, we went in the basement to, to move stuff out. We opened boxes, and you come across things like a telegram from Jackie Robinson to Bob when they both got into the Hall of Fame or Bob's Navy jacket. It's awesome to start with the best player in your franchise history. And luckily for us, Bob saved quite a bit of material. And here you are, born and raised in northeast Ohio, a, a tribe and baseball fan. And I know uh, you went a couple of different ways to get to where you are now, but did you just pinch yourself when you got that assignment and, and you're driving back this U-Haul with the creme de la creme of, of artifacts from a franchise and their history? Yeah, it, at times it's, it's, it is kind of like one of those pinchy moments where, you know, I talk to my wife about it, and luckily I've had a very supportive wife throughout all of this. Um, so I have to, you know, she's supported me through all my, my um, ups and downs of trying to find museum and archive work that's fulfilling uh for my career, and this has, you know, been fantastic. I mean, aside from working with great people, I get to, you know, read about and and research history. I, you know, uh, talk to fans about it. Uh, Tribefest, we had a little history display, so you get to talk to fans. And it's it's one of our, our big goals is to connect generations, and I think, you know, we do a good job of that uh, in terms of, um, you know, connecting players like Corey Kluber to Bob Feller when we opened the exhibit. That's the exact day that Feller threw his 18 strikeout game. So, or Kluber, yeah, I think it's a Kluber, um, threw his 18 strikeouts. And, you know, Bob's wife was there, his sons were there. So it's one of those, like, baseball moments where, and that's what makes the sport special is you have these just moments where you just feel like supernatural is not the right word, but, you know, you can just... You feel the, the, the ghosts of the past, I guess, um, like going to a Fenway or a Wrigley. You just know that baseball is such a big part of America's history and um, you know everyone's history, and I think that's such a big draw to it is the history of you know knowing that my dad watched the Sam McDowells and my grandfather watched Bob Fellers and uh, things of that, and I'm you know fortunate enough to watch a, a pitching staff that's one of the best in our history. And, uh, you know, my daughter gets older to talk to her about, you know, my day and, and do all that stuff. And, again, that's that's baseball. So 
being able to connect the generations, especially through artifacts, has been a lot of fun, and it's, it's extremely rewarding. Because it's baseball, you know there'll be some good stuff coming this season. Jeremy, thanks a lot for the visit. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Go Tribe. Some great stories from Jeremy Fedor, the Indians team historian and also helps out in the communications department. But uh, fun to talk to him about some of the things that they have in terms of baseball artifacts and what they'd like to do heading into this season in 2018. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talks. Great to have you with us as uh, we've been talking baseball on the radio for the last hour. Tribe Baseball coming your way shortly if you're hearing this program live as the Indians will take on the Giants beginning at 3.05. And also tomorrow on the Indians radio network, we'll have radio coverage of the Indians and Milwaukee Brewers over in Maryvale, and that's also a 3.05 first pitch. Hope you can join us again next week when... We will be still here at Goodyear Ballpark in uh, the Indians training complex here in Goodyear, Arizona. Always great to have you along. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.